fadeaway with a hand in his face in the air for the win! Yes, It fly and Carl Anthony Towns drills it at the buzzer. A catastrophic finish for the Grizzlies. Welcome to the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Your home for the best Wolves talk around. Wiggins spots up there, deep three's got it. He scores it at the buzzer to give the Timberwolves the victory. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing well. A little, little action finally in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, a little, little bit to talk about. Uh, veteran point guard is now a Timberwolf for now, and we'll talk about it. Uh, and we're also joined as always by Jared Good. Jared, how are we doing? Uh, doing wonderful. Always good to be back with you guys. It's been been about a month since we talked last, so it, it's nice to finally have some news to talk about. I know we've been itching to get on and talk, even if it's a quick one tonight. Um, it's just good to get back in the room with you guys and talk Wolves. Absolutely. And so what we're talking the most tonight is about the trade that went down. Wancho Hernan Gomez and Jared Culver to Memphis for... Patrick Beverly and I just I, I just want to get just to start off your when you heard about it what was your initial reaction and we'll start with your you Chris what was your initial reaction to the trade um my initial reaction was you know it's good to have a veteran you know a veteran point guard a veteran guy that can bring the ball up um means McLaughlin's probably not going to be signed which is fine um adds a little bit of that grit, a little of that a-hole that, you know, I think every team needs and we haven't had for a while. Um, and we got rid of two pieces that had zero value to us. So, I mean, if you get any value for no value, to me, that's a win. And that's what, in my mind, initially, that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared, your initial reaction? Well, my my initial reaction was was basically this. Patrick Beverly is actually a player that I have grown to like, a guy I once hated, but um guy I've kind of like grown to like just because I like his style, I like his like Chris was saying, his grit, you know. He he's just a tough nosed guy and he ain't gonna take no no crap from nobody, you know, and, and I love that because it, it almost you know, when when you talk about like sports and you talk about like hockey, you're like, oh yeah, you need that enforcer out there to just go fight somebody. Like that, that's essentially what Patrick Beverly can be on a team. Like he's just a leader and he's a tough dude and he ain't afraid to run his mouth at all. He's done it plenty of times. And uh, so I, my initial reaction was, I kind of like it. And and you guys know um, throughout this offseason, I've talked about defensive players. So you guys knew I was going to talk about how good Patrick Beverly is defensively before I pass over to you, Gabe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's what I was going to I, I was going to bring up is I knew that you would say, yeah, I mean, when you think defense, when you think really defensive guards, Patrick Beverly is where your your head initially goes to. And, and he's now uh, a member of the Timberwolves. So the other question is, um, is this something, is this the, is this just the move? Like, is this, is Patrick Beverly going to be a long-term part of this team? Or do you think this is part of something bigger? What do you think, Jared? Uh, I absolutely think it's part of something bigger. Um, I've kind of flip-flopped a few times within the past week of whether or not we can land Simmons. Um, 
I still really don't know where I'm at with it. Um, I would like to think that this helps. Um, I talked to Chris earlier today about a potential trade scenario, but um, I'm going to read you guys something interesting from NBC Sports Network um, that I took a screenshot of earlier today. It says, Philadelphia has continued to try and see if they can find a deal for Simmons before the start of camp. They have not had success, you, you know, really getting any traction for the high price they're asking for for Ben Simmons. Minnesota is one team that has been persistent with Philadelphia, and they they, but they have needed to have really a third or fourth team be part of the deal to get enough assets back for Philly. So, so when I when we talk about whether or not he's in play, I think this move absolutely helps because you have contracts start to match up. I know Chris is really good at at matching contracts, but the pieces are in place. It's just pretty much whether or not we have enough to give to match what Philly's offer is um, or what they're willing to sell him for. Um, I I still think that might be a little bit of a pipe dream, but I think the pieces are in place and I know we're going to try for it. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I can't sit here and say 100% that this was a move needed to get to get to Ben Simmons, but I know we're going to be on the phone when it happens. So, I mean, I think that's a big step forward. Um, I also think that, you're going to see multiple first-round picks added to a possible package. Um, I'm kind of looking right now at Beasley, Beverly, and, and Prince, possibly with a couple picks. Is that enough? I don't know. I'm not a GM, but that's kind of what I have the groundwork laid out for um, as to what the Timberwolves can do to go after Ben Simmons. Um, and I definitely think they'll be on the phone when it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris, do you agree? What do you think? What do you think? Do you think? That it's it's Beverly is the move, or do you think the move is is on the horizon? There's more on the horizon. I mean, I think so. What Rosas tends to do, and, and what it seems like he does, is he'll trade two D players for a C player. He'll trade two C players for a B player, and then he'll try to package, you know, maybe a, a C and a couple Bs for an A. So we just went from two Ds to a C. So that's good. You know, and maybe Rubio wasn't, um, you know, when we make a deal, when we trade a guy like Rubio away, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. You know, like Rosas contacted everybody and he found out who wants him and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And he made the best move. Like, I don't think Rosas has anything against Rubio. He went out and specifically got him. And he, you know, supposedly wanted him even the year before that. So... I don't think it's a it's a relationship thing. It's just Rosas, I don't think, cares. He, he's looking for value. So Beverly is a $14 million expiring contract, which is important um, because even if we keep him, I mean, I, I think a trade for Ben Simmons is, is definitely object number one. But let's say that doesn't happen. We've got a backup point guard now that brings that um, tip of the spear kind of defense you know, can be the, you know, attack the best guard kind of guy. And, you know, he's been shooting 38, let's see, 39% or 40% last year, 39% the year before that, 40 before that, 40 before that from three. So he's a 40% three-point shooter and shooting four or five a game. So, I mean, good quality there, hard defender. He knows how to make 
I mean, he's not going to be Rubio making amazing plays, but he's not going to be an idiot either. He's not going to be chucking the ball all around the court. So he's a great guy to play there with D'Angelo Russell. So, I mean, worst case scenario, you know, we replaced Rubio and Wancho and Culver with a second round pick, um, Pat Beverly and Prince and some money. So I'm okay with that. Um, We'll see. But with Beverly and Prince both being expiring contracts after next year or after this year, um, we only have, we have about 20 million in cap space before, you know, everything's said and done. So worst case scenario, we cut a bunch of contracts we don't want to pay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's a plus in almost every situation. So not to mention getting a dog in the locker room to kind of teach Anthony Edwards and the other guys right. how to be an a-hole. You know? Yep, that's exactly that was actually exactly where I was gonna go next. Now we know that Ricky Rubio um, had a huge effect on Anthony Edwards, and we he said in the press several times. He said it multiple times that basically Ricky Rubio was was great to him. Um, could Patrick Beverly step in and be like the Ricky Rubio of the team, but bring? The Ricky Rubio, the leader of the team, but bring a, a different a different set of skills like you were talking about. Like he's not he's not going to like do a behind the back pass and hit a wide open cutter. He's more likely to make a steal on the perimeter on Paul George or something like that. Like could could he be what Ricky Rubio was to Anthony Edwards last year? And could do you think? And we'll start with you, Jared. Do you think that was part of the reason he was brought in here to? be a leader on this team and to definitely like almost be a Ricky Rubio esque in his leadership. Um, I think it's, I think it's a good, uh, it's a good talking point. Um, I think personally, what I think is if Beverly stays on this team, and this is a big, if at this point, we just acquired him and we're obviously looking to move pieces and get something. I mean, our off season plan was not to get, Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly. I'll tell you that much right now. That's not what's in our long-term future. However, if for whatever reason, whatever kind of trade works out, whether we go after a guy like Simmons, whether we go after a guy like Turner, um, there's going to be a guy or two left behind. And if it's Patrick Beverly who gets left behind in a smaller deal, I'm completely fine with that because Patrick Beverly is like you guys said, a locker room guy, he wants to win now. And he was quoted as saying, I don't know who he said it to. I think it was LeBron. Um, but he said, the next five years are mine. And there's been people ripping him apart about, oh, the next five years are mine. That was his quote. Uh, he's going to start He's going to start winning. And, and you know, he's been traded to two teams within the past 24 hours. But honest to God, like, this dude is going to be on the floor and if we're if we're for whatever reason bad, which I don't think we will be, I mean he's going to get into people's shorts and tell them what's up. And if we're good, I mean he's going to be talking and running his mouth like he does. I think it's a great, great fall. I don't want to say fallback signing because I don't want, I don't want to say that we miss out on everything. But if we do, I think a guy like Patrick Beverly being left behind in possible other smaller deals. Um, could be a very good thing for the Timberwolves. I think he provides very good leadership, and I think he is a, a great asset for a young uh, basketball player because he's going to teach them how serious it is. You know, like it's not just let's go out and lose by 20, but I scored 25. Like Patrick Beverly ain't going to have none of that, you know. So that's that's the kind of attitude that we need in the locker room if he's here to stay. 
Um, whether or not we know that might be a month out, but I love it if he stays. I mean, if, if he's mm-hmm. the guy that gets left out on a, a deal like Turner and we're, and we're with Patrick Beverly for next year, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I actually, I love this move. I love this move. Like, like you were kind of saying, Chris, you get rid of two players that were nothing to you. I mean, Wancho maybe had one good game against Denver, but I, I think you have so many power forwards on the team anyway that he would be the odd man out in that situation. His one plus for Wancho was that he could shoot a little bit. But I mean that—that's the one thing. Uh, what What about you, Chris? Any anything to add on that about uh, kind of the leadership aspect of the Beverly move? Well, quick thing on Wancho. Let's not forget. Um, yeah, go ahead. Rosas just told him he can't play in the Olympics. That's true. So, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking there's probably a little relationship scarring there too. But um, when it comes down to you know who can be a leader or not, I mean, you never really know, but. I mean, our oldest guy on our team is Layman, who I don't really see as a leader, but he's 27. So up now, um, Beverly comes in at 32. Beverly's played like in Turkey. He's played in Russia. He's played in Mexico. He's played in the G League or the D League at the time. Like this man has earned his keep. Um, so like Jared was saying, he's he's going to struggle. He's going to fight, you know, like he's not up for this flashy, uh, you know, everything's silver spoon kind of life. Like he's going to put in work. So, so I think he can be a leader. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard anything about him being a leader, but I haven't really followed him in that sense. I've never heard of him being known as a bad teammate. Um, so I'm sure this is fine. I'm sure, I think it's going to, you know, I think he's going to be fine as a leader. And, um, and if nothing else, just strictly by, by wearing off like like and I talked about this you know a bunch of podcasts ago when I forget what we were talking about maybe even Rubio but we were talking about um or maybe it was Ben Simmons coming when when Jason Williams uh white chocolate went to Sacramento his passing was infectious and you saw Vladi doing behind the back you saw Chris Weber you saw Page, everyone was passing. Everyone was sharing the ball. It works that way on defense. Oh, maybe that's what I talked about with Vanderbilt. It works that way on defense. If Pat Beverly is picking up a guy at the at the um, you know like at half court and just locks him up and is just eating this dude up, everyone's going to do that. You can't let one guy work a hundred percent on defense and you just let your guy back cut you. Like that's not going to fly. So that sort of attitude is going to rub off. And even if it's till the trade deadline, or even if it's through training camp, that's huge. But Mm -hmm. like Jared said, if the deal works out and it's something like, you know, Prince Beasley and um, McDaniels and, you know, four firsts or something like that, which just to put it out there, I'd be fine with that. I don't want to lose McDaniels, but I understand, you know, come on, like you can't, you can't buy a Porsche with pocket change, you know? So, um, right. you know, if, even if he's left over, that would be great. Cause we do, we don't have a backup point guard. Like there's literally not one on the roster. Mm-hmm. Now there's one on the roster. Like that, that's huge. When we traded Rubio, I mean, as a huge Rubio guy, um, it bothered me, but more so because it's like, well, now we literally don't have a point guard behind D'Lo. And D'Lo is not the most, you know, he's not Cal Ripken. So, um, 
you know, it was worrisome, but now, I mean, this will work, but I mean, I do know of a certain coach in Philadelphia that happens to be a Pat Beverly fan. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, let's kind of turn the tables of the conversation a little bit, kind of look at the players that we gave up because obviously there's always two sides to a trade. And particularly I want to talk about one of them, Jarrett Culver. Is it safe to say that he is so far been the biggest failure of the Rosas era? Like we, we, we traded up. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, you can stop right there. It's a 100% yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know who second place is. What would That's second true. place be? Uh, maybe Wacho? Maybe Wacho's contract? Maybe. But, you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, and Wacho's contract is is done after this year. You don't have to pick it up for the next year and the, or the year after that. So, yeah, I mean, it's – Culver has been so bad. I mean, yes, he's had, you know, no summer league, shortened COVID year, multiple coaches, injury – he hasn't had the smoothest, you know, uh, transition into the NBA, but he also has gotten starters minutes and started at point guard. He, we, that didn't work. We started him at shooting guard. We started him at power forward. We started him at small. We've literally given him every shot when he's been healthy and he's been terrible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I wish him the best of luck, but, right. you know, I was happy not to see him on the team anymore. Right, and that's that's a big thing about this trade. I saw, oh, okay, Patrick Beverly, but I really have no real connection to either of those players. Like, like good luck to them in Memphis. Yeah, but like, I mean, like uh, I might I might rather have Willie than Wancho anyway. And Culver's For been sure. a, Culver's been a complete mess. I mean, look at Willie. Willie was shutting down, um, shut like blocking and playing great defense for Spain. I don't know if you saw that game, but he was he he's was all over there. Yeah. He's a, he he he's was a tough player. He is. Yeah. He was the he would he was their main option on offense for a little bit. But Jared, why, why don't you chime in a little bit? Talk about what what was your favorite Jared Culver moment? <laughs> My favorite Jared Culver moment was was when Texas Tech was playing in the Final Four and I was there. I mean, oh, if we're gonna get serious about it, I mean, I, <laughs> I was a big, I was a big Culver guy. Um, I I was a big Culver guy in college. You know, being there watching him, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I kind of like this kid. You know, and then we drafted him, and I'm like, I don't like this kid anymore. You know, right. this is kind of how it went with him. Um, but I, I mean, sometimes you just have to, you know, bite your tongue and say, you know what, I was wrong. And I think that's exactly what Gerson Rosas did. You know, he said, this was one of my moves where I missed, I missed, and I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to make it better because I'm going to fix it. You know, and I feel like that's kind of the thought process that he had um, mm-hmm. was, was basically, you know what, I screwed up on Culver and, and I'm going to make it better. So he went out and got, like you said, Chris, a usable asset, whether it be here or a trade. Um, it was awesome to see um, the ties get cut with Culver. Uh, as much as I was a fan of him in college, admittedly, I can be wrong too, you know? Like there's guys like Chris Dunn that I loved in college too. There's just certain guys that their game doesn't translate, and, and he's one of them. Um, as far as like looking forward, I mean – or sorry, I wanted to backtrack. I wanted to say the second worst move under Gerson Rosas was Jake Lehman. Um, even though his contract might not be super big, uh, I just feel like he's kind of at a lost spot on this team. 
Um, there's times where he has flashes in the pan games where I really like him. And then there's other times where I'm like, man, I don't know. I mean, he's Jake Lehman, you know, <laughs> but the dude plays hard, but he's just, you know, they have a hard time finding minutes for him. And he's kind of just like a, a lost, a lost, you know, 15 minutes in a game, you know, like he just, he's just kind of like tickled off in a way. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like where we're at now. Like I said, if we, if we miss out on a trade, you know, um, possibly, you know, whether it's Simmons or, you know, cause that's the guy that we want. And I think we've been pretty vocal about that on our own pos- podcast and the Timberwolves organization publicly has been pretty, pretty adamant about we're going to do whatever it takes to try and get there. And if we don't get there, like if our top offer isn't enough, we don't get there, you know, and then we're left with guys um, like Prince, which I absolutely hated the Prince move. Um, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me other than, you know, an expiring contract, which is kind of valuable when it comes to trades, but He's just a guy that I, I really don't care for. Um, I watched a bunch of him all the way back in the Baylor days. Um, just not a huge fan of him. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know. I mean, like I said, if Beverly gets left behind on a say, I mean, say we send Beasley in a pick to grab Turner and Beverly is left behind. I'm completely fine with that move. You know, like I really do like Beverly as a, as a locker room guy. And I was pretty happy with what happened today for the Timberwolves. We're talking a little bit about the other guys. So one thing that's weird about this trade is, so we went two for one. So Memphis gets two guys. And I saw Jason Aguirre, um, and he, I don't know if he's related to Mark on our chat over here, talking about Beverly's D. He's going to be huge. Um, but, yeah, talking about Memphis, they've already got 17 guaranteed contracts. So now they have 18 guaranteed contracts on their roster. You only can have 13 players on your roster. So I don't know what they're, I mean, they're going to have to eat a lot of money just by, and they have to cut guys that are on guaranteed contracts, which almost never happens in the NBA. So it's going to be really interesting what they're up to, or maybe they've got a five for one trade they've got in their back pocket, but um, I don't know what they're up to. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, Turner's, He's still injured, so maybe once he gets healthy, he'll be an option for a trade. But um, Rosas isn't done. He's at least trying. And I think there's a very real possibility that, you know, if Damon Lillard isn't traded, which it sounds – it's starting to sound more and more like he's not going to be part of a package. Um, If he is not traded, we might be the last team standing at the table willing to make a trade. With, mm-hmm. with Philly. And at that point, I mean, I don't think Ben's playing another game for Philly. So something's going to have to happen. No, I, I don't I don't think so either. But I did like what I saw um, uh, saw on Twitter, uh, Patrick Beverly uh, retweeting Evan Porter. I don't know who that is. But uh, it says, Pat- Patrick Beverly is reportedly happy with today's trade and excited to get to work with the young, talented Timberwolves roster. And then he says, extremely excited, let's go. So take that for what you will. Could it, could it be fan service? It could be. I mean, but- this dude's played everywhere. He's played in, like I said, Turkey and Russia and Mexico. Like, I don't think he plays favorites. He get, He's the kind of guy that, you know, you put him down in the JCC and he's going to he's gonna lock up some guy. Like, he doesn't care. He's playing hoops. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think it's going to be interesting 
to see him on the floor with another if we end up resigning him, if we ended up resigning Jared Vanderbilt, there's two guys who are scrappy, go after the ball, like second effort kind of guys. Just to have two of them on your team, that's that's not bad. And Josh Akogi. Yeah, that's true. That's and, true. And McDaniels. We could literally have all four of those guys on the floor at once. I, lo- I love Beverly, you. Akogi, McDaniels, and Vanderbilt. That's, I mean, there's a lot of crazy energy flying around right there. I, right. I loved your preseason lineup just that you posted. It really made me laugh because it was like, all defenders, and you're like, Jared's gonna love this lineup. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, we gotta we gotta fix it somewhere. So why not preseason? Let them all go run out there and play some defense. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looked. I mean, looking at that, it almost looks like the uh, 2004 Detroit Pistons minus right, right. minus the huge shot blocker. Like you got you got athletic wings who can guard. You got guards who can guard, and then Jared Vanderbilt down low. Uh, the the question I have with that lineup is who's gonna score. But Cat. you put Cat in the you could Cat true. at the five, and then you just literally give him every single shot. Right, <laughs> and that, that's the other thing. Like, there's going to be a lot of shots to go around with. With assuming we keep Beasley with D'Lo, Cat, Anthony Edwards, and then Beasley. I mean, who else is going to shoot? Like, we don't need like we don't need like, anybody. Yeah, we we don't really need many other to score. Like, if if they all put up twenty on a given night, like we're set. <laughs> right. You have a guy like Beverly just stand in the corner and, you know, get a couple kick out open threes. Like I said, he's a 40% three point shooter. Like that's awesome. Add that to our roster and guy who plays some defense. I mean, his defense. And another thing we have to remember, this isn't Pat Beverly from three years ago, four right. years ago. Like he isn't, he's slowing down some, like he is not, He's still good. He's better than anything we have on defense, and he's definitely better than any point guard, backup point guard we have. But, um, yeah, there's a reason that he's on an expiring contract, you know, and, you know, didn't re-up for uh, three, four more years. So, But still, he's he, he's a good addition. He is. He is. And, yeah, I, I'm happy to have him. Uh, let, let's touch on this very quickly. Um, it doesn't have to be long. But did any of you get to watch any of the summer league? I, I did not, but I've been following okay. them on their on my phone, kind of checking out some box scores here and there. Okay. And McDaniel's looks like he's dominating, but I think he's playing like the five. I think he's been playing center in some of these games, which yeah, he has. He has <laughs> sometimes. But that um, I mean, I've just watched the highlights and stuff, and I've watched like the game recap kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. I know Miss, I know that kid Knight is looking yeah. really sharp. I mean, I saw a game he had like seven or eight assists. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy, he's shooting the three ball too. He's not hitting any of them, but he's shooting them. Um, right. back, all our guards are actually shooting the three a lot. Just I think only Noel's the only one who's hitting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I bring up the summer league is is a guy you know that I was very high on. Yeah, on yes. Uh, Champlin Park's own McKinley Wright, the third, fourth, fourth or third? Fourth, I think. Fourth, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I will say he's got some growing up to do. Um, I watched him in a couple of situations where, particularly, he's just dribbling the ball up top. First, uh, the first issue with McKinley Wright that I see is that he he does not have the jumper yet. He does not have the outside threat. Like when he gets the ball up top, he's swinging it every single time. He's not looking to shoot. The other thing that I saw out of McKinley Wright was. Uh, he got trapped a couple times. Like, and I know it's summer league, so it's guys 
playing out of their mind, trying to make a play and get their coach's attention. But he did get trapped. Like a couple times he was just dribbling out top, and the guy would put pressure on them or it would be a double team, and he had a lot of issues getting out of the double team. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still like the kid. I, w- I, I wish him all the best, but he's definitely got some some growing to do. But, I mean, who in the summer league doesn't, though? He's a rookie. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie. He's coming from Colorado. So, I mean, he's – yeah, for sure. I mean, right. I don't see him as anything more than, a you know, a two-way guy this year. Yeah, right. especially now. Squad guy. Right, yeah, particularly with, with Beverly now. And uh, the one last thing I will say about Summer League, I was I was watching – it was a meaningless game. The The championship was already set. I think it was Boston. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it was Charlotte and, and, and the Bulls. And first of all, it was fun to see LiAngelo. Uh, but second of all, just man, summer league's fun. Like it's it's fun it to watch. Like there's guys, like I said, there's guys trying to show out and show everyone what they can do. Uh, we there was this guy from Morgan State, I forget his name, but like he was throwing in one handed alley oops, and it was awesome. It was so fun to watch. And these was were that two- that big dunk, that big. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say it was a Bulls or who was playing? Uh, it was Bulls, and it was uh, Bulls and Charlotte. It was a Bulls guy. I saw that, and he cocked it back, too. Like, he caught that and cocked it back and threw it down angry. No, that guy, yeah, that was nice. That was um, awesome. You know, the Summer League is one of the things that, I mean, over the All-Star Games or anything like that, that I would really enjoy going to Las Vegas for, like, when yeah, circumstances are great. You know, go and watch five games in a day or, you know, Walk in and out of some if you want. Mm-hmm. A lot of the first round guys are there. Like that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I mean, you're in Vegas too, so that that's not bad. Now, I, I will say I've always said this: like spring training baseball, like looks sounds like paint drying to me. Like that <laughs> that, that sounds super boring to me. But like I said, Agreed. summer yeah, summer league. That's more of a weather boring. vacation anyway. I think that's true. Yeah, <laughs> more yeah. so than it is baseball, but. But like I, I've had I've had people in my life that like okay we're going to Florida I'm like oh cool what are you doing you going to this beach or you going to Universal Studios no we're going to spring training I'm like what are you doing like <laughs> for real you're going to watch base you're going to watch players that won't even a like a league players play baseball like come on Fort Myers I don't even think Fort Myers has nice beaches no I don't think I don't think so either I I don't think so either well. Uh, we this is just a short one tonight. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. But uh, any any final thoughts? We'll start with you, Chris. Any final thoughts? I think we're about four days away from when we can trade Prince um, with another player. So that's when stuff's going to maybe open up. Um, like Jared was saying earlier, with uh, what he was reading about some national media talking, I saw recently that um, unless unless Damon Lillard is tr- is part of a package. Philly is going to probably hold on to Ben through training camp, they said, which I, I think at this point as Timberwolves at Rosas, he's like, you know that I'm interested. I will I will be here. Like, I don't care. Like, we're not pushing to win the title this year. So the longer it is, the better for the Timberwolves. So, like, as a Timberwolves fan, if you hear a flash Ben Simmons traded in the next week, it's probably not us. But if it's three weeks from now, I mean, it could be because at that point, 
Simmons isn't coming back to the like he he's not coming back to Philly, so they're mm-hmm. gonna have to get something for him. And it gets to the point where I guess it's kind of like what I said about Rubio earlier. He's a unique player. Um, Rubio is, I believe, an, an amazing player. I think he makes the entire team better. Um, but you have to have a team to work around him to his skill sets. Mm-hmm. If you put him on a team that doesn't work to his st- skill sets, he's terrible. Same as Ben Simmons. If you put Ben Simmons on a team with no outside shooting and a big man who just likes to be down low, he won't be. Oh, wait, he was just on that team. Um, he won't be that effective. But if you put him on a team full of three-point shooting and ball movement, he could be great, you know, and we're that team. So there's a lot of teams out there that I think just don't really have the use where the value is not there. I mean, he's a max contract guy. You still have to fit that max contract into your salary. So mm-hmm. it's going to be exciting. You know, Rosas isn't done. He's at least trying. He might be done completing trades, but he's he's definitely going to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And Jared, any final thoughts? Yeah, um, so my, my parting ways are this. Uh, ben Simmons will never play point guard in the NBA again. Uh, you cannot have a 6'11 point guard that cannot shoot the ball. Um, and Ben Simmons can't shoot. So um, you look at all these good, successful teams, they want to run and play fast, um, 3 and D kind of guys. Um, that's just not Ben Simmons game at the point guard. Like he wants to play slow, get it into his bigs and use his defense, which is fine. But at the, at the point guard position, I think his point guard days are over and no matter who he gets traded to, he will be playing at least the three or higher, but I assume it will probably be the four, um, especially on a team like the Timberwolves. If they are there, he will not play point guard. There you go. And I think we're going to put a pin in it. Uh, This has been another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves.